Well, good morning and welcome to Water and Stone. My name is Dieter Randolph and I'm so happy to be back with you one more time, uh, once again for another installment in our Sunday School series where we're working through the whole Bible. And I want you to know that this video represents the halfway point. We are halfway through our journey by the time we get to the end of this lesson today. It's an amazing thing. Think about all of the things that we have talked about. As I've said a few times, there are some messages that are clear throughout all of them, and I have my ideas for what those are, but I don't want to lead that. Take a minute and think with the people that you're watching this with. Think for yourself about what do you think some of the ongoing messages of Scripture are? How can you apply those to your life? How can you make a difference with what you know now that you didn't know before? I know you're working on this because I've been hearing great things from so many of you. Thank you, and keep keep in touch. It's, it's really a wonderful thing. Today we're going to be talking about Elijah, and he's one of my favorite characters in all of Scripture. And I think if you uh, listen along and think through this with me, you'll see why pretty quick. This story, actually we're going to tell a couple of stories about Elijah. These stories are about why we do what we do, what to look for, what not to get hung up on, and how to move forward in peace and on purpose, like we always say. In the name of moving forward, let's begin with our opening prayer. God is and I am. I stand on holy ground. Right here and right now, there is truth. Right here and right now, there is freedom. Right here and right now, there is life. This is who I am. I am ready. From now on, I speak the truth. From now on, I choose freedom. From now on, this is my life. The unstoppable love of God prepares the way. I am ready. And so it is and so it does. In Jesus' name, amen. So like I said, we're going to be talking about a couple of stories about Elijah. And uh, the first story we're going to be talking about is uh, 1 Kings 18, 16 through 46. This is uh, the, uh, the showdown, Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And now to set the stage, the situation is that uh, under King Ahab, things aren't going very well. There's a, there's a drought. There's no rain, so the crops don't happen. People are, are uh, thirsty, dying of thirst, and all of that kind of stuff. And what we see here in, uh, in the Bible, you've noticed this by now already, and it's one of the things that we see over and over again, not just in the Bible, but in all kinds of wisdom literature. When something isn't going right with the king, that, uh, that problem is reflected all over the land. If the king isn't right, there's a famine, or there's a war, or there's a flood, or there's a something, because that's how it works. And in the same way, there's an overarching lesson just in that little bit. We haven't even gotten into the story yet. But there's an overarching lesson there that you can apply in your life. When there are things going wrong outside, in the land, so to speak, with the people, so to speak, of your life, Take it back to the royalty, to the executive power of your own thought and feeling. Take it back to headquarters, as Charles Fillmore always used to say, and think about what can change about your relationship with source, about how you're honoring who you really are, and the divine birthright, the, the royal power that you've been given. It could be that there's a short circuit somewhere, and if you can clean up that flow, 
the things outside will tend to work out. But right now in the story uh, under Ahab, we're seeing the negative side of that. Things are not going really well. Now, Elijah, the prophet, says the reason that things aren't going very well is that Ahab won't get off the fence. Some of the time, he worships God, the capital G, God, the one that Elijah is a fan of, the one that we're worshiping and all of that, the God of, of Isaac and Jacob and, and David and so on, God. Some of the time, Ahab's okay with that. And some of the time, Ahab uh, worships Baal, who's, a, who's an old god, one of those, those smaller ideas where God is a guy in the sky, a guy that you make sacrifices to, one of those kinds of gods, you know? And Elijah says, Ahab, the problem with the land is because of you. You won't get off the fence. And here's the quote. Um, it's in uh, 1 Kings 18, uh, 21. Then Elijah approached all the people and said, How long are you going to struggle with the two choices? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal, follow him. But the people did not answer him so much as a word. So this is where the problem starts. It's interesting because... I think that we're taught in our culture to hedge our bets, to have whole cards, to keep some things in reserve, to have a plan B. Uh, Ahab kind of has a plan B God situation. But as they always say, if you have a plan B, you'll use it, but you're only going to be half-hearted in it. You know what I mean? And so nothing is going to work very well because you're dividing your attention. Elijah basically says, look, if God is God, then follow him. If not, then stop, but get off the fence. Think for a moment about your own life. Could it be that there are some areas where you need to commit? Don't be afraid. And in fact, to the degree that you put yourself into something, the fear that you were worried about tends to go away. But so here's the deal. Elijah says, look, I understand that, that it's tricky, that you want to be safe, and that all of that kind of stuff. And so I propose a contest, Elijah says, a showdown. There's just me. I'm the, I'm the only prophet of God, capital G, God, around here anywhere. But there are 450 priests of Baal. So just me against the 450 priests of Baal. And what we'll do is we'll have a showdown. We'll go out into the, uh, into the wilderness, and the priests of Baal will prepare a sacrifice. And they'll set it up, but they won't set it on fire because the idea is you would burn the sacrifice, you know, the idea. But set it all up, get the wood ready, get the stuff ready, put the, the animal on there, all that kind of stuff. Set up the sacrifice, but don't set fire to it. And I will set up a sacrifice as well. Same deal. And the idea is you guys will pray and I'll pray. And whichever God brings fire, well, that's the real God. And then we'll stop all of this fighting about it because the proof is in the pudding. <laughs> the proof is in the fire. And then we'll just get on with it. And that way, Ahab, you'll be off the fence and we'll be able to move forward. What do you say? And so, of course, they say yes. And the priests of Baal get to go first. And so they prepare their sacrifice, just like they said, all the wood and all of the stuff, just like you can imagine. And they start dancing around and they start chanting complicated chants and saying complicated prayers because for the priests of Baal, it's all about the complexity. It's interesting, isn't it? The idea is I can, 
if I can just get the right words in there somewhere, it doesn't even matter if my heart is in it, but I'm going to crack the code to God by just getting a sheer volume of words out there. And so they dance around and they say all this stuff and they face the four directions and they sage everything and they got the right amulets on and they got the right outfits and playing the right music and <clears throat> you name it. They're doing all of the outer things, quote unquote, right. The priests of Baal even cut themselves ritualistically. Now, you read that in the Bible and it sounds kind of yucky, but you, you might go, okay, well, that's, that's weird, but it's no big deal. But you have to understand that according to the laws in Deuteronomy, the laws that Elijah follows, that's a real big no-no. So the, there's a subtext there that this is, they're way off the mark. They're way out there. But anyway, they pray and they pray and they dance and they sing and they cut themselves and they do the hokey pokey and they turn themselves around. And that ain't what it's all about because nothing happens. And it's so funny, the, the, the scripture says, no one answered and no one paid attention. Some translations of the scripture say, no one was listening. The idea is, nobody's there. They're knocking, ain't nobody home. And Elijah, it's kind of funny, one of the reasons I like Elijah so much is he starts making fun of him. He's like, hey, maybe you need to dance harder. Maybe your God is asleep. Maybe he hit his head. Um, and that's funny to us because we don't have a concept of a God who falls asleep. We don't have a concept of a God who isn't there sometimes, and neither does Elijah. What he's really saying with his, with his teasing is, you guys have such a small idea of God. You are a human being with ego stuff and emotional baggage and flaws and growth places and issues and all of that. And that's okay because you're here to grow. That's part of the job description. That's fine. But don't make God into just a bigger version of your stuff. Isn't that always the problem? Whether you call it Baal or something else. Isn't that always the problem? Making God in our image with all of, all of our growing places and quote-unquote faults and everything else. It's a funny thing to Elijah because capital G God, Elijah's God, our God, doesn't fall asleep, can't walk away, right? Doesn't matter how hard you dance, how loud you sing, that's not how this works. And so, no fire for the priests of Baal. All 450 of them, no matter how much they dance and sing and carry on, no matter what amulets and trinkets they buy, no matter what rituals they observe, that's not how any of this works. Are you trying to brute force your way into God? Are you trying to crack the code by just saying enough words and maybe one of them's the password? Are you trying to buy enough paraphernalia, read enough self-help books to, to just somehow get in there? Which God are you following there, Ahab? You know? But so anyway, it's Elijah's turn. And Elijah has done things a little bit differently. Now, he built an altar just like the other, uh, the Baal priest built an altar. But at the foundation of his altar, he set out 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel. For any of this to work. You're going to have to build on the foundation of what you know to be true, what has always been true. And we've talked about this a few times. One of the basic ideas, remember God says to Moses, I am the God that you've known about. I've always been here. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Remember me? That's me, right? God says this. Start with what has always been true. Build on that. 
You don't need to start over, but you need to start fresh. And there's a difference there. As I have said to you many, many times, think about your life. There are times when you lost everything, and yet something remained because here you are. What is that something if it isn't God? There are things that are always with you. What are those things? For Elijah, those things are represented by the 12 stones. So he puts the 12 stones down, he builds the altar, and everything, just like the Baal prophets, it looks the same. And he says, okay, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to do you one better. It's kind of a Ron Popeil, but wait, there's more kind of a moment. He says, we're going to dig a trench all the way around the altar. And it's a drought, but we have some water. I want you to take the water that we have, and we're going to pour it all over the sacrifice. We're going to pour it over the sacrifice and pour it over the sacrifice and pour it over the sacrifice until that trench is full of water. <laughs> Nothing up my sleeve, you know, that kind of an idea. You couldn't light that sacrifice with a blowtorch. But this is another way of saying this isn't about the physicality of this. God is more than that. Spirit is more than that. Yes, we know what's going to happen. Look, no spoilers. Obviously, you know what's about to happen. But this is important because there are some people who think, I have physical problems, so I'm going to have a physical God. I'm going to do physical things like shouting real loud to get God to show up, like buying all the right stuff and going to the right classes to get God to show up. But that doesn't work, as the priests of Baal found out. There are other people who say, I have a physical problem, but God doesn't do physical stuff. I'm just going to pray about it, and, and eventually, hopefully, God will give me what I need to ignore the problem, basically. Well, that's not it either. Because God brings fire. This works in a physical way. We're not here to abandon materiality or ignore it. We're just here to remember that it's not the only thing. There's a balance there. And that's what Elijah represents. We pray in spiritual ways and we get physical results. That's the balance. And that's what Elijah is here to say. And so there's no fancy dancing. There's no cutting there's no special songs. There's no paraphernalia. You get the idea that Elijah just showed up in his blue jeans, you know? This isn't fancy, but it is reverent. It is intentional, and there's a difference. And I want to read to you the prayer that Elijah prays. This is all he does. And this is in 1 Kings 18, 36, and 37. <clears throat> Here it goes. Then at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice... Elijah the prophet approached and said, Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so that this people may know that you, Lord, are God and that you have turned their heart back. That's it. God, I know you're here. I know that you've always been here. That's all. I know. Let's all remember together. That's kind of what the prayer says. I encourage you once again, that's 1 Kings 18, 36, 37. Go back and read that. That's a good prayer when you need something to happen in your life. It's a good one. So Elijah prays that prayer, and you know what happens next. God brings 
fire, so much fire that there is nothing left. All of the water in the trench is licked up by the flame. The only thing left are those 12 stones. Once again, the only thing that's left is what has always been true. Don't get hung up on the things that come and go. This is a water and stone moment with literal stone. You know, that's pretty great. And so it's a done deal. You know, uh, the prophets of Baal have lost. They end up getting killed, but that's just kind of how the story goes. But remember, that's not even the point. There's a reason that we've been doing this, right? The, the idea is that there is a drought because Ahab won't get off the fence. All of this was to cure the drought problem. And so Ahab uh, is told by Elijah, get yourself ready. You might want to get inside because it's going to rain. This is a big deal. And they go and they look for some sign, some sign of, of, of an incoming weather thing. They don't have the weather channel. They don't have Jim Cantori. They have to wait. And so they go and they go to the mountaintop and they look for a cloud, nothing. They go and they look for a cloud, nothing. And then all of a sudden, there's a cloud. The Bible says it's the size of a man's fist. Imagine seeing that after all of this demonstration and all of that work. And frankly, after all of that yearning, it's got to rain or something bad is going to happen. In fact, something bad is happening now. But then there's that cloud. That's all it takes. And the rains come. Ahab has to run to get out of the rain. There is so much rain. I'm talking to you from Florida. Maybe you're watching this in Florida. You know what rain looks like. Imagine that times a million. It's raining. And it's going to be okay. And it's going to be okay because Ahab is off the fence. It's going to be okay because the people remember who God is. In other words, it's going to be okay because our relationship with source is pure. We have an understanding of what always is. And with those stones, we have a remembrance of what always has been. And when those two things are combined with action, and that's what Elijah always represents, boy, oh boy, something happens. But from there, that amazing demonstration, that amazing happy moment, something not so happy happens. And we can go right into it. This is the next story I want to tell you. It's kind of a continuation. This is what I call the conversation at Horeb. And this is in 1 Kings chapter 19. It's the whole chapter. You'd think that everything is good now. You're expecting a ticker tape parade or at least, a, I don't know, a, a a bouquet of some kind, something, an edible arrangement, perhaps, some kind of a commemoration that, that Elijah won, that we're good, and the whole thing. But as it turns out, there's a problem. Because you see, Ahab's wife is Jezebel. Now, you know that name. That's, that word, Jezebel, has become kind of an idiom in our culture. It's something that, that people used to call people. They didn't like that kind of a thing. Jezebel is a Baal worshiper. And it was her idea in the first place to start building all these Baal churches and temples and, and hire all these the 450 prophets who are now gone and all of that. That was her. And now she's mad. And if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And so there is a warrant out for Elijah's arrest. He is wanted dead or alive, preferably dead. And if you get him alive, he's going to be dead, that kind of a thing. So Elijah has to run. He has to flee. You'd think. It would all be okay. There's a lesson there, isn't there? 
Sometimes what feels like the happy ending ain't the ending. Sometimes there's more work to do. And one of the things I've said to you over and over again, you know it's the voice of God because it gives you a job to do. Elijah has got more work to do. But Elijah has to flee from Jezebel. He goes for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, that's a number that sounds familiar. And once again, when you get a number like that, read into it as long as it takes, right? 40 days and 40 nights, as long as it takes, symbolically. Um, He goes to Mount Horeb. Now, you might remember that Mount Horeb is where Moses goes to get the Ten Commandments. It's interesting to, once again, part part of Elijah's whole methodology is go back to what you know. When you've got to run, go back to what has never gone away. When you feel like you've lost everything, think about what can't be lost. This is a good thing to remember. And it's also really interesting because of all of the prophets, Elijah is the only one who ever goes back to Horeb. Now, He does not have visible means of support, but as it turns out, Elijah is fed by the angel. He's taken care of in all kinds of important ways. But he finds himself back at the mountain, and he's hiding in a cave, and he's kind of feeling sorry for himself. You know, when you're a person of action, and Elijah is definitely that, he's the kind of person that doesn't take any trash from anybody. I could use a different word than trash, but you know, this is church. You know what I mean, though. And something happens because remember, Elijah's got work to do. God didn't build Elijah to run, just like he didn't make you to run from your problems, right? That's not how this works. And the voice comes, the voice of the Lord. God says to Elijah, I love this, This is right out of the Bible. He says, what are you doing here, Elijah? Don't you love that? Not a lot of these and thous and that kind of stuff. Just God going, what are you doing here? After all of this, you saw the bonfire, the rain. What do you need? You've seen fire. You've seen rain. You've seen lonely days when you could not find a friend. Sorry, couldn't help myself. And Elijah says, basically, he's got this evasive answer. He doesn't really say what he's doing there, but instead he says, look, God, I'm the only one left. After all of this stuff that we've been through, the people, they just won't listen. The people, they're, they're no good. The work has come to nothing. These people, they're jerks. This is interesting. Moses, in similar moments, defends the children of Israel. Elijah blames. So he's, this is his growing place. This is where Elijah needs to work on it, right? This is an interesting thing to be aware of. Now, you know that Elijah clearly isn't the only one left. For one thing, we're reading this. This happened, right? We're reading this later. That means the tradition was carried on. Obviously, Elijah isn't the only one. But it feels true to him that he's the only one left. He just has to remember but there's a deeper truth there. Something has got to remind him. And the Bible says, I love this part. Go read this part of scripture. I, I read it again and again all over, the, all over the place and over and over again because it's just really important. There's Elijah in this cave and there's a windstorm that comes. This big demonstration. And once again, I talk to you from the land of hurricanes. I know what a windstorm looks like, and I can only imagine it's greater than any that we've ever seen. The windstorm comes. The Bible says, but God was not in the windstorm. 
Not in the big demonstration. And then an earthquake comes and the whole world is shaken by it. Imagine what it would be like to be hiding in a cave during an earthquake, right? And the Bible says, but God was not in the earthquake. And then there's a great fire. Like nothing you've ever seen. And Elijah has seen fire. And the Bible says, but the Lord was not in the fire. God is not in the outer demonstrations. And this is important because Elijah is basically saying, well, people don't like me because I'm not getting a big demonstration. You ever felt that way? I have. It's okay. But after the windstorm and after the earthquake and after the fire, the Bible says there is a still small voice. God's not in the wind. God's not in the earthquake. God's not in the fire. God's not in the big demonstration. But God is in that whisper. When you just get out of the way, when you get done with all the other stuff, when you get out from under your own ego and your own feel, feeling sorry for yourself and your own anger that it didn't go the way you thought it was going to go, I think Elijah was expecting a ticker tape parade. But that's not why we do this stuff, is it? So there's a still small voice. And Elijah, smart enough to know what that is, comes out. He knows. He knows. You know what the voice says? The voice of the Lord says to Elijah? The voice says, what are you doing here? Don't you love that? After all of that, it's like, okay, now that I have your attention, this cosmic mic drop that God gives to Elijah, the question remains, because Elijah did not answer it before, what are you doing here? I have a job for you. And then God goes on to tell Elijah all of the things that he needs to go and do. You think you're the only one? You're not the only one. You're going to go recruit some help. There's things that you need to do. There's a whole world yet to change. All you got to do is get out of the way. God gives him a job. That's how we know after all. But part of the lesson for you and part of the lesson for me is that it might seem like there's a whole lot of reasons why it's not going to work. It might seem like there's 450. It might seem like there's a lot of reasons why there's no clouds in the sky, but all it takes is one, one cloud. One Elijah versus 450. One whispering voice versus earthquakes and storms and fire. There's one thing, one thing that has always been true. And your job is to stop running from what isn't true and start listening for what is. Because I promise you, no matter what you have been through, no matter what you're chewing on, no matter what you're worried about in the future, there is one truth in there somewhere. And the Elijah in you might be sick of not having it work out the way that you think it ought to work out. I get it. But that's not why you're here. You're here to listen. And you're here to work. But to the degree that you do, God will bring fire when there needs to be fire. God will bring water when there needs to be water. God will bring food when there needs to be food. And God will bring answers when you listen. And let Everything else, go. Because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you very much. I want to thank you so much for, for exploring this with me, for listening to this with me, for applying these lessons in your life. I want to thank you for keeping in touch. Thank you for liking and subscribing to these videos. And thank you, above all, for sharing them. It means a lot. It means everything. 
I also want to thank you for your uh, financial support of this ministry. It's the only way that we can keep this going, and so we're counting on you and so grateful for your gifts of love and substance. Let's hold those in our minds and hearts as we bless our offering together. God is my source, my unending supply. With this gift, I carry my gratitude into action. God's blessings flow through me and fill my world. I give and I live with radical joy. And so it is. Amen. And I want to remind you that wherever you are, you are not alone. Let's pray together our dedication prayer. God, I'm ready for change. My heart is open. I'm not afraid anymore. My life is in peace and on purpose. Amen. Now go show the world what love looks like today. I'll see you next week. Hey, this is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the lesson and hopefully for taking some time to apply what we talked about in your life. That's where this really happens. I love the idea that church isn't something that happens to you, but rather something that happens through you. What you do based on what you've heard can change your life and really change the world. This is just the beginning of a bigger journey. And if you want to continue your journey with us, I'd love for you to like and subscribe us on YouTube or you can watch the videos. Come join us in person, our street address and all kinds of information is at our website, waterandstonechurch.com. All of that sort of thing. If you want to give electronically, that's where to do it. If you want to connect with us on social media, and you really should do that there, waterandstonechurch.com. Thank you for being a part of this work.